0: North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. This is Stories with a Heartbeat. I'm Will McInerney. Every morning when I wake up, I read the news. Even before I get out of bed, I check the headlines. And they're usually full of violence or corruption or tragedy. But the past two weeks, it's felt even worse than normal.
1: Twenty hostages are confirmed dead after an armed siege
2: at a cafe in we are Bangladesh. Something an Something of a, a national emergency that is unfolding in the city Deadly of Dallas, Texas shooting tonight. shooting in Louisiana is leading to protests. Video that allegedly shows the incident quickly going so that's viral. That's where an officer opened fire, fire on Philando Castile as he sat in the passenger seat of an car. There has been an
1: explosion in the Saudi Arabian city of Medina. Another attack being Local blamed on ISIS, the third
2: mass terror attack carried out by the terror
1: group in the last week. This one, the deadliest in Baghdad in nearly a decade.
2: France, Nice, France. That's along the French Riviera. The news is breaking, but what we can tell you right now is the death toll is now 73. July
0: 2016 is Dhaka and Baghdad and Medina and Baton Rouge and Falcon Heights and Dallas and Aleppo and Juba and Nice and another and another and another and another. It feels like the news won't stop. It feels like the second I record this, there will be another one to add to the list. How do we make sense of any of this? In these moments, I turn to poetry and I write. Not because poetry has all the answers or some magic solution, but because it connects us to the humanity. It helps us find meaning and it pushes us to think and to challenge ourselves. Today, we're gonna hear two poems that try to do just that. I wanna start by sharing a story I wrote several years ago. It's a poem about an overseas trip and a simple conversation that changed me. And it's one that I'm often reminded of, especially on weeks like this. I went to Palestine to learn about death, I met Ibrahim. He's a short man, five-five, maybe five-seven. His eyes are two cups of tea filled to the brim. He blinks slowly, like he's afraid to let them spill in front of company. He doesn't smile much. He's got knuckles calloused like the knots of olive tree trunks. His fingers Cracked like the bent cigarette sticks, he slips between his lips. He's old, maybe sixty. Sixty-five, it's hard to tell, his hair is a plume of hookah smoke disappearing into the Bethlehem breeze. There is beauty in these tethered ruins cascading from his scalp. It's strange how nature chooses which go and which stay his hair is a metaphor for his own existence in this place. It's strange how nature chooses who goes and who stays. The only question is, who controls the wind these days? Ibrahim doesn't smile on the surface. A matter of fact, he doesn't speak much either. His tongue is a mason's trowel forged in a furnace of resistance. His lips, two brick walls battered in decades. On most days, this gate is padlocked in silence. His teeth are ivory tombstones erected in the sacred ground of his jaw. He knows what death tastes like. So when he utters a sound, each word rests in the mausoleum of his mouth. I came to Palestine to learn about death. But I met Ibrahim. On one of my last nights, I asked him from the balcony of his cramped refugee camp home, Are you happy? That was a stupid question. He said, Yes. Do you see this breath? Happiness is my choice. He points. Are you happy? I said, I don't know. That was a stupid answer. I went to Palestine to learn about death. But I met Ibrahim. He only speaks when it's important. So he, he speaks about life. Ibrahim doesn't have time for death. He speaks of heartbeats and breath, Ibrahim. You are fear's obituary in the flesh, unafraid. A stoic pillar planted in a shifting Palestinian sand. A man with every reason to resent existence, but he didn't. I want to learn to smile like Ibrahim, below the surface. Forget a grin. I want my essence to curl into an arc. I want to learn to grab life with my hands. Let my palms be stethoscopes, so the harder I work, the louder my heart. I want to learn to speak like Ibrahim. Hold my words intangibly tight, the way a newborn grips life, the way a poet holds a pen, the way the wind cradles a kite. Palestine is no fairy tale, but if you want to learn about life, go to Bethlehem. Ask for a man with teacups for eyes and a funeral of a mouth. Sure he knows what death tastes like, More than most, but a man rooted in olive trees, resilience, and hope, taught me heartbeats. 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 Conflict is a prism into humanity. It exposes the unthinkably worst in people, and at the same time, shines light on the absolute best. From despair to joy, life to death, conflict is human, it's complex, and it can't just be simplified down into sound bites of suffering. Ibrahim called me out on that, and on weeks like this, it's a lesson I must always remember. From an intimate one-on-one conversation, we're now gonna pivot to a story about an attempt to understand an entire revolution. Back in 2011, I was in Egypt and Tunisia covering the Arab Spring movements with two other poets and a photographer. Our project was called Poetic Portraits of a Revolution. We explored the human stories behind the protest movements. After listening to all the news this week, I was reminded of a piece from back then so, we're going to close the show with a story from Cairo in July of 2011 by Mohammed Musa, Kane Smigo, Samir Abdelkhalik, and me. We recorded this piece with borrowed equipment at 4 a.m. in our improvised studio, which basically consisted of us sitting under really thick blankets in a hot Cairo apartment. This story looks at the vast spectrum of conflict from within the Egyptian revolution. And seeks to find meaning through poetry. There was a word being thrown around a lot in Cairo these days Gaya or armed thugs. It's used by police to describe protesters, and by protesters to point out henchmen hired by the police. It seems like everyone is a Boltegea to someone. It's a difficult word to define, kinda like revolution.
1: So we've been tiptoeing a fault line searching for answers in the stories that shook a nation's foundations to the ground, finding fragments of meaning beneath the rubble.
2: Like 33 stops on a subway map with the names of famous politicians, and one scratched off where Mubarak's name used to be, like a lottery ticket reminding a country that sometimes,
0: when enough people play the odds, everyone wins and a new name written by passengers in its place, with sharpie and shaky handwriting,
1: ash Shuhada, The, the Martyrs.
0: Martyrs, a memorial for Egypt's underground movement, visible for all to see. Just wait, just wait. We are finding meaning
1: in the pride of a woman named Hibba, who told us how she confronted a police officer during a protest, and how he couldn't gather the courage to make eye contact with her. I guess it was too intimidating to look directly into her determination.
2: We are finding meaning in the tales of a protester named Muhammad. They must. We have to finish what we start. Wounded by a sniper's bullet, he recalls lunch on the front lines.
1: Where a man was passed a small loaf of bread, and tore half of it for the person next to him who did the same. Like shreds of a better tomorrow, passing between palms that can't quite read the future, Muhammad said that when the bread reached him, it was just a tiny piece. But he too tore it in half and shared it with an unknown man beside him. In Tahrir Square, you didn't always know your brother's name. We are finding meaning
0: in the story of a Cairo cop with a heavy conscience, trying to regain hold of his humanity by helping a street artist keep paint from dripping off the face of a martyr's mural. There is already enough blood on his hands, and he knows it. We are
2: finding meaning in the charred carcass of the old party headquarters, abandoned and torched by protesters after the fall of their dictator, Its beautiful blackened bones bear an unfortunate resemblance to the church firebombed during a clash between Christians and Muslims just a few weeks later. And I think, they say God works in mysterious ways. Well, the devil must counterfeit his minted miracles with a sweaty stack of his own. And revolution revolution is is no no different.
1: For every tale of wonder and transformation, there is another of stagnation and false hope.
0: Like the fruit vendor who still makes less than minimum wage.
2: Like the family whose loved one has been replaced by a picture frame.
1: Like the woman who still hears catcalls in the street after the crowds have dispersed.
0: But one thing is for sure. Some incredible changes in consciousness have occurred here. But many seem to feel that it may not be time for fireworks just yet.
2: That's the Baltaglia. That over there is the Baltaglia. You see him? You
0: can learn a lot
2: from them. Is back home. Our revolution is still raging,
0: too. That was Mohammed Musa, Kane Smigo, Samir Abdel-Khalik, and me reporting from Cairo in 2011. It was part of Poetic Portraits of a Revolution, a project we'll revisit later this season on the podcast. We're going to follow up with some of the people we interviewed back in 2011. Five years after the revolutions, what's changed? Is life better now, or is it worse? The answers are complicated. As for this week, well, the news is overwhelming. But looking away is not an option. The bliss of our ignorance is poison. Rather than averting our eyes, let's re-examine the way we look. With a poetic lens, we can view the spectrum of human stories, acknowledging the depth of sorrow and loss, and at the same time, honoring the strength and resilience we see. Through this storied and human approach, maybe we can heal, maybe we can connect a little more, and maybe... Maybe we can change ourselves and the world around us. That's what poetry does. It makes us think and act with creative, passionate force. This is Stories with a Heartbeat. I'm Will McInerney. This podcast is a production of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. This episode was produced by David Brower and me. Our music is composed by Stephen Levitton, also known as the Apple Juice Kid. You can listen to more episodes of Stories with a Heartbeat on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you find podcasts. If you have a moment, write a review. It really helps. From Chapel Hill, North Carolina, I'm Will McInerney.